We're in a series called The Recovery of Lost Joy. This is part three. The title I gave to this teaching tonight is When You Try to Let Go of Your Past, But Your Past Won't Let Go of You. The Recovery of Lost Joy. Where do you begin to look? We know know when something's wrong. Where do you begin to look to find the way back? You don't have to be a Christian very long, in spite of what you maybe were told at some point in the beginning of your Christian walk. You don't have to be a Christian very long to find that it's not all smooth sailing. What to do? There has to be a better solution than getting discouraged, uh, giving up, more commonly getting mad, quitting church. It's full of hypocrites. You've heard it. Look at us, not full. There's all sorts of room in here. We can, we can squeeze piles more in. Last week, we took a bit of time in the first two studies analyzing the, the need for a proper foundation in the Christian life. That can be a real problem. The illustration I've used for about 20 years in this church, you know, you got a coat. You get the first button in the wrong hole, and it's going to be wrong all the way down. You have to start right. And that's what Paul is talking about in Romans 6, 15 and 16. When, when he says, what then? Are, are we to sin because we're not under the law but under grace? He goes, by no means. And then these words, do you not know that if you present yourselves to anyone as obedient slaves, you are slaves to the one whom you obey, either to sin, which leads to death, or obedience, which leads to righteousness. Paul says, this is a big issue. You can't be wrong on this. You can't think you can come into the Christian life, continue in some kind of activity, attitude that the Bible says is incorrect, and you can't continue in that and think it's going to be okay. Well, there'll just be grace. Paul says it doesn't work that way. He says, if, if a small disobedience brought in willfully into the Christian walk multiplies until become enslaved. But that's not his real point. The real point is, he says, how can you not know this? So they had started the Christian life, somehow made some kind of profession, were grateful for forgiveness. Paul says, but, but, but you weren't thinking right on these things. A proper understanding of conversion in the very beginning of the Christian walk is essential to a joyful Christian walk farther down the road. It doesn't mean there won't be trials, but there's an incredible amount more strength when the foundation is right under your conversion experience. That's why the Old Testament, here's very unflattering words to most of us, where the writer says, don't be like the ox that has no understanding can't live the Christian life like that. It isn't just hoping to experience something. There is an experience. But make sure you understand what's going on. Make sure you understand how it starts. Make sure you understand what God is doing. That's that point. The reason it's so important is Paul says that there's a foundation. You know, a foundation is the first thing you build. And he says it has to be right 1 Corinthians 3, 9 to 11. Paul says, For we are God's fellow workers. You are God's field, God's building. 
According to the grace of God given to me like a skilled master builder, I laid a foundation. There it is, a foundation. Someone else is building on it. But you have to have the foundation right. Tonight's teaching is to give encouragement to those who, who have a different issue, who wrestle with the past after starting their Christian walk. Now, the Romans text deals with the way of handling the past that is unacceptable. What Paul is talking about in that passage in Romans is you can just continue living life the way you did before because there's a whole bunch of grace and God will take care of it. That isn't an option, Paul says. You need to know that. All right, so what, what, what do we do? Christians wrestle with the past, I think, in two they're related, but they're slightly different ways. One, there can come condemnation for past sin. A lingering feeling of guilt. Um, it, 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 that just grinds. I shouldn't be here. I don't deserve this. Look at these other people. They, they seem to really have an experience with Jesus, and they're not coming where I'm coming from. I, whatever, I had an abortion. I, I, I'm, I was addicted to drugs. I did this. I did that. These church people, they don't know. I, I'm not sure. I'm not sure I'm ever, God's ever going to be able to forgive me. I'm not sure he's ever going to really be able to forgive me. Condemnation. The second problem is related, but it's slightly different. There can also arise, well, regrets. Regrets about wasted time, missed opportunities. It's true. We all know that even though forgiven, you can't, you can't go back to 14, 15 again. You can't undo all the mistakes. You can't undo all the consequences of the foolishness. And that robs a lot of people of joy in Jesus. Condemnation. I don't think God can forgive me. Regrets. Oh, I love Jesus. He's done so much for me. How foolish I wasted so much of my time. Especially, maybe you got saved in your 70s. And there can come those kind of regrets. I want to deal with those two things quickly tonight. Do you believe me when I say quickly, or is that just a waste of time throwing that in there? One, condemnation for past sin. 1 Timothy 1, 15 and 16. The saying, Paul, Paul speaks, the saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance. He's saying full acceptance means let this land, let this register. This is not just true. This is really, really, really true. The saying is trustworthy. It's deserving of full acceptance. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners yeah, but I'm, I don't think he can forgive me. He came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am the foremost. I'm the worst one of the bunch, Paul says. How bad a sinner do you think you were? Paul says, way worse. 16. But I received mercy. For this reason, that in me... As the foremost, the biggest sinner, the worst sinner, the most undeserving, 
that in me as the foremost, Jesus Christ might, might display. Paul's his advertisement. That's the word. He's going to display his perfect patience as an example to those who were to believe in him for eternal life. That Maybe you're here. All these years later, you're going to trust in him for eternal life? Paul says, that's why God saved me. He was thinking of Don Horban. He was thinking, I might feel I was unworthy. I might feel too great a sinner. And so Paul says, God didn't just save me. He, he, he put me in the window of the store and said, look, look see, see what my grace does? Do you see who my grace reaches? I hope that speaks to you if you wrestle with that tonight. You see, it's fascinating to go through different portions of the New Testament and realize that many people didn't believe Paul when he told them he was a Christian. It's in there. Ananias did not want to go pray for Paul. Remember? Go lay hands on him and pray for him. Not a chance. When Paul walked into a service like this and joined a prayer group, everybody went to the bathroom in his prayer group. Nobody trusted him. Nobody had reason to. First, First Timothy 13, 113. Formerly, I was a blasphemer, a persecutor, an insolent opponent. Just look at that for a minute. So A, he, he looked at the unbelievable events of his life and conversion. As he looked at it, Paul felt there had to be some reason why God had shown this marvelous grace to him. I mean, imagine his conversion. He heard the voice of Jesus. He relates it. This is interesting. It's not in your notes. He relates it a couple of times. The last time he talks about it, he says something really interesting about this voice that he heard. Because you wonder. Was it just lightning or thunder? Or maybe he thought it was, you know, those primitive people. He thought it was God talking to him because there was a flash of lightning bolt. And what he says, the last time he explains it in the book of Acts, he says, and the Lord spoke to me, get this, the Lord spoke to me in the Hebrew tongue. Did you get it? That language. God spoke in nouns, adjectives, verbs, sentences. Imagine Hearing Jesus talk to you that directly. This vision that he had on the roadway. There was nothing in Paul's past to merit that kind of encounter, that kind of mercy. But as he thinks God's work through, he says, there's a reason God did something that drastic. There's a reason he did it for someone as visibly rebellious as Paul was to give hope and assurance to scores of millions later on who might be tempted to feel unworthy and condemned because of their past. And he literally says, I was an example. The Greek word literally means an outline sketch. Have you seen somebody who's an oil painter? And the first thing they do is they have a maybe a pencil or some kind of carbon, and, and they sketch roughly what they're going to paint, and then they fill it in and they paint it. He says, I was, I was the sketch. I was the example. The sketch shows what is still to come. 
B, there are also lessons in these verses about how a Christian should look at past sin. Let me say a couple of things here. I don't think that Christians should continue to pray about sins. I'm talking about forgiveness, asking for forgiveness. For sins that have been confessed and forsaken. Now, there's a fine line here. I'm not saying we shouldn't remember the lessons of past sins, because we should. But that's in a positive direction, to keep us clean and pure down the road. But there's a sense in which bringing the same issue over and over again, oh, I'm just so sorry for what I did, you can't imagine how rotten I feel, God. That's not repentance. That's just condemnation. It, It belittles the work of Christ. How should a Christian look at past sin? You can't just try and block it out of your mind and not think about it. I don't think that's the answer. So Paul thought and talked about the sins in his past. He did. He wrote about them in the Scriptures. There's nothing but good in remembering past sins and weaknesses as long as you bring them into the framework of the mercy of Christ, the grace of Christ, the work of the Spirit. That's how Paul looked at his past sins. And that's the important point. Look at 1 Timothy 1, 13 and 14. Though formerly I was a blasphemer, a persecutor, an insolent opponent, but I received mercy because I acted ignorantly and in unbelief, and the grace the grace of our Lord overflowed for me, the faith and the love that are in Christ Jesus. So my conviction is the Christian should never look at his past sin by itself as just a standalone part of life that he feels guilty about. The difference between, we're talking about condemnation. Here's the difference between condemnation and conviction, okay? Here's the difference. Conviction, the Holy Spirit, Don, you've got an issue with, X, and you've been walking with me long enough since you were seven years old, and it's time to put that behind you, and you need to follow me. And I'll cleanse, and I'll purify, and I'll forgive, and I'll help you. You trust me, and you bring that to me. That's conviction. The Holy Spirit does it. This is condemnation. This is not what the Holy Spirit does. Condemnation is, boy, Don, you get up and you preach in front of those people in that church and you lose your temper like that? You call yourself a Christian? What a phony. You should be ashamed of yourself. That's condemnation. You know who does that? It's not the Holy Spirit. That's the devil. The devil brings condemnation. The Holy Spirit brings conviction. They aren't the same thing Though in their first stages, they can feel like the same thing because conviction can be a very painful experience. It's meant to be, at times, a very painful experience. But it's going somewhere. Condemnation doesn't go anywhere. It's beat him into the ground. No good. Hopeless. So there's the difference. I said at the beginning of this teaching, there were 
two ways in which past sins can trouble the Christian. The first we've been looking at. Wicked deeds that stand from the past, and the battle is condemnation, guilt. I want to look at the second trouble that we can face. I said it's related, but it's not quite the same. Vain regrets. Dealing with vain regrets about missed opportunities and wasted years. Look at Paul's words in 1 Corinthians 15, 8 through 10. He says, last of all, as to one untimely born, he, that's Jesus, appeared also to me. For I am the least of the apostles, unworthy to be called an apostle, because I, I persecuted the church of God. Ten. But the grace of God, by the grace of God, I am what I am, and his grace toward me was not in vain. See, he can talk about his sins, but not stand alone. The grace thing is constantly brought in. Powerful grace. But by the grace of God, I am what I am, and his grace toward me was not in vain. On the contrary, I worked harder than any of them. He talks about all those other apostles. A little bit of, of a humble brag, Paul. I worked harder than any of them, though it was not I, but the grace of God that is with me. Can't help but notice the first thing Paul does is he, he puts himself kind of at the bottom of the list of all the apostles. All the others saw Jesus before his ascension. That means they ate with him, slept, walked, ministered with Jesus right here on earth. They sat with him as he taught. They saw Jesus perform all those miracles. Just a lot of blessings Paul never got in on. While John would sit with his head on Jesus' chest, Paul was killing all the Christians he could get his hands on. Wow. That's why he says he was untimely born. He had just missed so much. He said he had seen Christ last of all, 15.8, after everyone else, later than everyone else. Everybody else had so much that Paul missed opportunities. See, regrets. Missed opportunities. Think about that. Think about that. What would this mean? <clears throat> what would this mean? Paul had spent valuable time persecuting the church. Blasph he said he was a blasphemer. Blaspheming the name of Christ. What did he say? What would it mean for a man who says, I wasted so much time, for a man who said, for me to live is Christ, right? What would it mean to someone like that? All that stupid time I spent persecuting the church and the cause of Christ. Regret, regret. If only he hadn't been so blind. If only he hadn't wasted so much time. If only he hadn't been so stubborn in unbelief. So, so what about it? What's a Christian to think? After all, Paul can't get any of those years back, not one of them. You can't either, I can't either. You never can undo the deeds that are done in ignorance and unbelief, whatever all that means. So how is a Christian to deal with 
regrets. Not quite the same as condemnation. You're not doubting that God forgives. In fact, it's because he's been so gracious. How could I? Why didn't I start sooner? How is the Christian to deal with vain regrets? I, Paul has two lessons and we'll close. While what you were is an unchangeable fact, it's not the most important thing about you any longer. You have to tell yourself that. Verse 10, but by the grace, by the grace of God, I am what I am. I'm not focusing. I, I remember the lessons. I'm not focusing on what I was. It's what I am. What I am by God's grace. And secondly, if you do have those regrets, if you feel you did waste too much time in the past, I mean, it sounds obvious, but it's, it's important. If you wasted so much time in the past, don't waste any more in the present. 15.10, 1 Corinthians, But by the grace of God, I am what I am, and His grace toward me wasn't in vain. I can't do anything about what I missed, but I can sure plow ahead full steam. I worked harder than any of them. What counts most, don't listen to condemnation. That's the enemy. Regrets, what counts most is what you are now by the grace of God. He knew what he was doing when he saved you, when he saved you. And because of God's grace, I don't want to waste any time moping. Paul says, I worked harder than anybody else for the Lord. If I wasted time before, by now, by God's grace, I'm going to make up for lost ground. It's deeper than forgiveness, what he gives all of us. Praise God, what he gives all of us is not just a clean slate, but a fresh start. A fresh start. Deal with those two things. Condemnation and regret. When you want to let go of your past, your past won't let go of you. Let's pray.